Honey, come check this out. Oh, wow. I know, right? What's going on? Ooh, check out this state-of-the-art 80-inch QLED 4K Smart TV. Mm. See this? It's why I started inventing science. When I saw it, I knew. What was wrong with the old one? Oh, nothing. I just wanted to upgrade it. You know, like how you upgraded your phone? Or like when you bought that electric bicycle thingy wingy. Oh, yeah, right. Like when you finance the jet skis or that fancy kayak that we always use. Like that, right? What are you trying to say? Nothing. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. All right, the big green elephant in the room. If you open up your bulletin, you probably know what it is by now. We're excited uh, about this series, but before we do anything else, just kind of all at one time, can we welcome all of our campuses? We'll do one big clap, but South Tampa and Temple Terrace and Waters Avenue and Ybor City and Hernando County Women's Correctional Institute and the Van Dyke Campus. Come on, give it up for each, yeah, all right. That will probably be the last time you clap during this message. <laughs> this is something we do every year. We believe in it so much because the Bible believes in it, but we're going to talk about, or when say, come on, money. Okay, here we go. We're going to get, I'm, I'm telling you, if you will hang in there for four weeks, it'll change your life. It'll change a lot of things about how you think about it. So, so stay with us because we know this, even when I mention the word money, it's very emotional. Some of you get all tense already. You look at the outline in the bulletin, you see all those money verses. I can't believe I came this week. I should have known it's February and Craig talks about money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sabbatical for about three weeks. That's what some of you are thinking. But, but really, money does elicit all kind of emotions. Fear, regret, guilt, joy, right? Sometimes money uh, will bring joy. Uh, but, but you can feel the tension uh, many times when when money is mentioned, whether in a lot of different uh, venues, for me, you need to know that even when I share on this subject of money, it's not something I just, oh, I can't, I get excited about. I realize um, how emotional it can be. I know how I could possibly be misunderstood. So I feel a lot of pressure sometimes to make sure we communicate God's truth but with grace. We're not here to beat people up. We're here to help us all understand what God thinks about money, how it's viewed, and we know this, that there are certain goals uh, that we have for you for, these, for this series. Let me give a few of those to you to, to hopefully get you more inspired. Number one, that you could reduce financial stress and fear in your life. How many of you like that to happen in your life? Come on, all of our campuses. Man, God has a plan that I believe that can reduce financial stress and fear in your life. Second one, if you're married, that you would eliminate financial conflict in your home with unified financial goals. That can happen. And I tell you, the number one reason for divorce is financial conflict. And, and so we have a class, Financial Peace University. You'll be hearing a lot about it next few weeks. You can sign up. It's a nine-week class. And uh, if you're married, man, I tell you, I would strongly suggest, if you're single, you don't have to argue about going. You just show up, right? Uh, in fact, we have a couple, I met a couple 
uh, watching the football playoffs, and they go to Grace, and I say, hey, how'd you guys meet? He goes, we met at Financial Peace University. So if you're single, you can get your finances right and find a husband and wife. Come on. Man, you're talking about a two-for-one class. That would, that would, really, that was their story. In fact, that reminds me of another story. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but because early on in our church life, I was pretty much, you know, me and Pastor Chris only one, so we did all the counseling and all the premarital counseling, which is really bad because I'm not a good counselor. But I remember this one couple um, for premarriage, and, and we started talking about the sensitive subject, and one was money, and we started talking about money, and something in me went, something's not right here. I didn't know what it was, but I could just tell something wasn't right, and the questions weren't, be, weren't being answered probably in the right way. And, and, and when, when they kind of left, I, I told the girl later, I said, hey, look, I know you love this guy, but I, I just feel something here. Would you do me a favor? Before you marry him, will you do a credit check? She goes, what? I said, do a credit check on him. And sure enough, she did a credit check, bankruptcy. He owed like uh, uh, literally almost $100,000 in credit card debt, and it freaked her out. And she said, there's no way I can go with this kind of relationship. And so she walked out of the engagement. That guy was mad at me. But I tell you what, it saved her. So, hey, maybe, maybe for some of you that are engaged, you may want to check out the premarital, um, I mean, the financial peace class. Seriously, it, it was, I, 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 never, I hope he's not here today, but that's what happened. <laughs> so that's what happened. So here's, the other, here's our other goal, that you would experience God's amazing provision in financial health as you trust his financial principles. I can say this, my wife and I have been married 40 years and we have followed God's financial principles. And early on in our marriage, believe me, it was tight and paycheck to paycheck and we said, no, we're going to trust God's financial principles and I can tell you, God will take care of you if you follow his plan. I can just tell you, he will will take care of you, okay? So so I want to move on and say money is not only emotional, money is spiritual. There are 2,172 verses in the Bible about money and possessions. Jesus had 38 parables, 17 of them talked about money and possessions, almost half of them. So think about that. Money is spiritual. In fact, Jesus says it this way, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What was Jesus saying? Money is in direct competition with your devotion to God. It just, it fights for that number one spot with God uh, in our lives. And so uh, that's, that's, that's true. Now here are uh, a couple other things I'd like to share about money before we get into kind of the, the crux of the message Uh, There's a lot of myths about it, and and here's one that is not true. Money is evil. That's not true. Money isn't evil. We all need money. How many of you need money? Yeah, we all need it, right? See, some of you thought it was a trick question. I'm not raising my hand because he'll make me do something, you know. But money isn't evil. It's the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Okay, here's another myth. If only I had more money, I wouldn't have any more money problems. That is so untrue. I know people that that have a lot of money and they spend still spend more than they make. People that make 100k spend 130 a year. It doesn't matter how much money you have, it's about how you manage the money you have. In fact, some people would say, you know, if I can only make 60k a year and you know what, they start making 60 and they still have the same money problems. It's about money management. And we're going to really help you. In fact, next week 
I'm going to take you through a pretty hilarious journey about how Debbie and I learned to manage our funds and figure it all out with putting God first. You don't want to miss it. It's a very real, transparent uh, journey that we went through. But again, I'll say again, the FPU class will help you with that dirty word called budget. And it's a dirty word. You know why we don't want to look at a budget? It's like when you know maybe you're not eating right, you don't want to get on the scale, do you? When you're not, and, and, but you have to eventually look and see, okay, where do I need to improve? I'm telling you, it's a great class. We've been doing it for years and years. Millions and millions of debt has been retired by people who've gone through Financial Peace University, and they found financial peace, and some have found their wife or husband. Isn't that amazing? So um, here's the other thing, another money myth, and I, I hate to say it, but some of you think it right now. Maybe you don't know us that well. We've been going for 26 years in the Tampa area, um, but the myth about money, or not really a myth, some of it's kind of true. Well, I ain't giving no money because a pastor, I know what they do, they abuse it. We've seen a lot of abuse with money sometimes by churches or pastors, and, and I get that. That creates suspicion and, and fear, and so I just want to alleviate all that for you because I just want to show you my house and stuff so you know. This is my house where I live. See? It's a very small house. It's only like 18,000 square feet. There's a helicopter pad in the back. That's my house. Go ahead and show my boat. Just got a little boat. See, your name, name Debbie. I named it Debbie. See, I honored my wife. Debbie, it's, you know, 40-foot uh, Donzi, I think. Very nice boat. And uh, show, show the next one. Here's my car. It's just a little red sports car. There's nothing to it. It's shiny and new, but it's, it's a great car. Hey, don't show the jet. Take that off of there. That's my jet. Okay. I just love this, man. Because some of you that are new going, I can't believe he has all that stuff. But there is that perception that we have. Let me just let you know that we have a CPA that audits us every year. We have a financial board of trustees that reviews and approves our financial budget, including the budgets of all the salaries of all the people and the pastor. Just so you know, that's how we're set up here at Grace Family Church. So if that helps you, hopefully it does. But here's another thing. Being wealthy is not condemned in the Bible. Because people have money, that's not a bad thing. Sometimes people think it's bad or want to make it feel like it's bad or people that have money feel guilty, and they shouldn't if they're doing the right things with it. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, it's in your notes, uh, I believe it is, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So that's what the Bible says about those who have wealth. In fact, there's another verse that says, too much is given, much is required. That's not a condemnation. It's more of an accountability for all that we have. Whether you have a little or a lot, there should be that. So what's, what's the elephant in the room that we're going to talk about today? And here's the big issue I know that until you conquer this, until you overcome this, you're going to struggle with the idea of generosity in your life. And, and the big question, the big elephant in the room is this, who owns it? Who owns it? Do you own it? Is it yours or is it God's? I mean, that's really the battle that we face. Uh, and so I know that until you can figure that out and surrender that, it's going to be a challenge. In fact, how many of you heard about 250 baptisms last week. That was amazing. But I got a video clip of one of the baptisms that kind of talks about this uh, subject of not surrendering uh, our stuff to God. Watch this. 
This is my wallet. It's not being baptized. Okay. All of this is being baptized, but all of this stuff is the most important stuff in my life. See, yeah, that's good. You just let it go. I'm just going to put it right over there. It'll be fine. No, 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 no. It'll be no, waiting. Now, no, let me I'm hang on to put it. it over there. Sir, no, Pastor, no. Reverend. <laughs> Thank no, you. No. That's really nice. No, no, I'm going to no, take give, it. Give it me. Give me the wallet. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Put it back on the side. Pastor Dean, we love what he does video for us. It's awesome. But it is true, isn't it? It's the last thing people surrender. I mean, there's a lot they can do. They, but, man, that, that financial part, I mean, we mature and we grow. But that's the last thing people really surrender to God. It's the thing we want to control the most. It's the thing we want to hold on to the most. It's the thing we're most emotional about uh, the most. But it's the thing that God says, you know what? It competes with putting me first in your life. That's what Jesus said in that in that scripture. So let's look at a, a real simple truth, the truth about money. And, and the first one, we already know this. We, most of us know this that have been around. Maybe you're new and this will be new to you. Uh, is this, God owns it all. That's the first thing we need, the truth about money. God truly does own it all. The verse in the Bible I want to read is this, Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything means everything. God owns everything. He owns the air, the raw materials, the land, the sea, the grass. As you can see in Haggai, he owns the silver and the gold. He owns all the money. He owns everything. The stock market, God owns everything. Now, the question is, do we believe he owns it? And the question is, do we believe in surrendering ownership to him? That's the big dilemma. That's the big elephant in the room. Because if we don't settle that issue, we're going to struggle. In this era, you can always be nervous when I'm talking about this. You go, oh my goodness. But when you really begin to understand the truth of it, it's, it there's, there's, there's so much freedom. The Bible says when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This will set you free when you really uh, know it. So let's, let's try it one time. I'm going to practice in the room. So turn to someone next to you, it doesn't matter who, and say this, it doesn't belong to you. Tell them. And now tell them this, so give me some. Right? Yeah? Just having fun with that. In fact, you know a better way? Here's what I believe this truth is, is all about is this. Um, if it really doesn't belong to you, it's easier to give it. That is so, if it really doesn't belong to you, it's easier to give it. I'm going to prove that uh, uh, right now. Christian, come on up. Come on up real quick. Come on. Quick, 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 quick. Come on. Look, we got a lot of people watching. Come on up, Christian. He didn't want to come up. He thought it was, oh, I don't want to come up on stage. But Christian, we're going to do something to give people a big picture because they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And so this is, this is real money. This isn't Monopoly money, right? That's real. Does it look real to you? That's real, Christian. Now, there's 10 $20 bills, $200. So let's, for a moment, I want you to pretend that I'm God. I know that's hard because God's taller than me. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. So, but I'm going to give this to you. Okay, it's yours, really. You do what you want, but one thing, will you just give me one of the 20s back? Because that's 10%. Thank you. Go have a good day, man. Really, enjoy it. 
Seriously, it's yours. No trick. Go. Bye. See you later. Come on, give him a hand. Yeah. See, he almost didn't want to come up here. And, and so you're going, well, that's easy, Craig. It's easy to give because you gave it to him and he gave it right back. If it all belongs to him and he gives it to us, you just experience what it really is. But we don't have that vision or picture because, listen, the longer we hold on to it, the more we think it's ours, right? Now, let me give you another one. See, some of you are going, man, you know, I had a couple people come up to me last week and say, when are you going to speak, man? It's been like forever. Now you're like, man, Craig, don't speak for at least another month, right? <laughs> but let's go a step further. Do you, do you know that the Gallup poll tells us that the more people make, the less percentage they give generously. That means if you make 100, 200,000, 300, the more you make, the less percentage people actually give. You know why? Because people get enamored with the amount. So, so if you make $200,000, it's still, in God's perspective, 10%. If you make $2 million, but see, when people get in those high numbers sometimes, they begin to think, well, you know, that's a lot of money. I just, I just, I just can't do that. And, you know, I get that because I remember uh, my house, my wife and I sold our house in September of this year. And when we sold our house, we had been there for 20-something years, so we had a lot of equity in our house. So when we sold it and went to the closing and we had this nice check for all the equity in our home, I went, yes. And I was excited. Then I remembered, you know, this is truly uh, income because there was equity. And, and it was a large amount, and, and for a few minutes, I have to admit, I was thinking, I don't need to give 10% of this. I mean, this is a lot of money. I'll just give maybe, and I, and I began to rationalize, am I the only one in the room that thinks like this? We all think like that. And then I started, wait a minute, God, this house belongs to you. You gave us a house. You gave me everything. And, and so I, I was finally able to get past the point and give what really uh, belonged to God. And so that's so important that we, that we understand that is a perspective that's always going to, that we're always going to drift towards um, it's mine or that's a big amount, but it's the same. In God's eyes, it's the same and we need to be faithful. Okay, I didn't get an amen last service either, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm good with that. So here's the thing. Here's, here's God's perspective. We all, we've heard those verses that God owns it all. And if God really owns it, you can understand why he said what he said in this next verse. And many of us have heard this over the years, and we've never understood why would God say this. But if you have the view that God owns everything, um, this scripture, which I didn't put in your outline because it's one of those scary scriptures in the Bible. And I didn't put it, I'm going to put it on the screen in a moment, but this scripture is talking about, uh, oh, go ahead, you can put it up there. This scripture is really talking about uh, God telling the people, you need to return home to me. And they go, God, how do we return? How do we come back to you? And one of the first things God talks about is their money. That's the first thing he says. If you want to return to me, here's what you need to do. And he says this to them in Malachi 3. It says, will a man rob God? He starts out with that. Surely not, and yet you have robbed me. They said, what do you mean? When did we ever rob you? You have robbed me of the tithes and offerings due me. And so the awesome curse of God is cursing you, for your whole nation has been robbing me. Then he says this. Notice what he says in verse 10. You may want to circle this. Bring. 
Would you say there's a difference between bring and give? Oh, yeah, there's a big difference. He says, look, this is already mine. I'm asking you to bring back the 10%. It's all mine, but I'm only asking you to bring 10% back because basically you're robbing me because it's all mine anyway. Kind of scary, right? But look at this. This is powerful. Here's the promise. Bring the tithes into the storehouse that there would be food enough in my temple. If you do, here's the promise of God. I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Your crops will be large for I will guard them uh, from insects and plagues. Your grapes won't shrivel away before they ripen, says the Lord Almighty. And so we see this. If you will do this, let me prove it to you. Trust me. Try it. Watch how I'll take care of your life. And my wife and I have seen that promise come true time after time after time. You saw, you know, I mentioned that uh, we sold our house and we were able to build a house and it just really we were able to build it debt free. Not the house you saw on the screen, uh, by the way, but it's just because God's been faithful. God's faithful to his promises as we become good stewards of everything that he's given us. And so when you see that scripture and you see that idea of bringing, it's about, it's not about giving, it's about bringing back something that originally belonged to God. Now think about it this way, just for a moment. Um, I'll give you an example of this. If I, uh, if I, you know, like say Eridus, one of our staff says, Craig, my car broke down. Can I use your car for about a month? Sure, give him my car, give it to him. And, and when he comes back, he doesn't come back and say, hey, Craig, I want to give you a car. He comes back and says, here's the keys to your car. See, it's, he brought back something that was originally mine. You know, I, I wonder when you read even early in Scripture, before tithing was ever represented, there was a foreshadowing of it. Many of us know the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the Bible, God blesses them. He says, see this garden, see everything here. All these plants, all these trees, all this fruit, everything is for yours to enjoy. I created it, but I want you to enjoy. You know that in Genesis 2. But he says what? What does he say? But this one tree, remember the one tree? You can have the mango trees, the peach trees, I don't know what was there. But he goes, this one tree, this is a test of ownership. This is a te test of something that is holy to God. He goes, this one tree, Adam and Eve, I don't want you to eat from it. I don't want you to touch it. Don't touch, this tree is holy to me. This tree is holy. I'm wondering if possibly God was trying to say something, because in Leviticus, it says that the tithe is holy. And when something is holy, it's not supposed to be touched. So just, that's just more thinking for you as you look at the, the idea of, of tithing. And I know that some of you are thinking, uh, but in reality, tithing is just returning to God what originally belonged to him. That's why it was so easy for Christian to go, no problem. Because see, what he really believed for a moment there was, it's not mine anyway. You just gave me the $200. I only gave back what originally belonged to you. If you can begin to have that mentality in your life, it'll change you. It'll change how you think about everything that you own, not just your money. That all that we have, our cars, our houses, our possessions, is something that God wants to use as a tool, as a blessing. That's how, that's how we should look at things uh, in our life. And I know it's a mind shift. Now, I know some theologians in here are saying, Craig, I notice you're using a lot of Old Testament scripture. See, I'm a New Testament person, and I don't believe in tithing. 
uh, because it's not in the New Testament. Well, that's number one, not true. Uh, number two, um, if, if, I just pray that if it's, you know, if it's really a theological issue for you or is it a heart issue? Because Jesus says this in, in Matthew 23, 23. Yes, woe upon you, Pharisees and you other religious leaders, hypocrites, for you tithe down to the last mint leaf in your garden, but you ignore the important things, justice and mercy and faith. Yes, here's Jesus, you should tithe. He didn't say, oh, don't worry about tithing anymore. That was in the Old Testament. He goes, yes, you should tithe, but you shouldn't leave the more important things undone, which is treating people the right way, amen? That's, that's, that's highly important. So we know that God owns everything. Number two, God gives us the ability to produce wealth. That's the second thing, the truth about money. God gives us ability. Read this in Deuteronomy with me. You say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So what is, what is he saying? That, look, I know I gave you a brain and I know you have physical strength. And I know that, but you need to understand that all that you get comes from me. That it is... It's, it's, it's not, you know, we have this idea, it's my idea, it's my hard work, it's, it's my company, it's my patent. I worked hard, I got the promotion, I, I, I closed the deal, I had, I had the idea to, to take this step and, and take the risk, and, and I should get all the rewards. It's all about what I have done because I'm a genius, I'm an amazing entrepreneur, and I deserve it all. That's not what the Bible says. He says, I'm the one that gave you the power to get all the wealth you have. Now, you can argue all you want with God, but that's what God says. So don't get upset with me. You, you can yell at God about it. Because you can say, oh, that it's me and my power and my sweat and tears. And, and that is true. There is a part that we play. God says he blesses the hand of the diligent. Okay, so I, I'm all for that, that definitely, but it's God who brings the favor, God who brings the blessing, God is the one that really makes it happen. Listen, I know at Grace Family Church, I say this all the time, we've been going 25 years, and I know who I am and my limitations, but when I allow God in the middle of my situation, God can multiply it way more than I can. And I've seen it at Grace Family Church, and you will see it also in your life and in your finances as you really, really trust him. So you could say it's all about your hard work, but, um, and that's why really tithing is acknowledging who the rightful owner is. When you tithe, you're saying, God, you're the one that did this. You're the one that helped me get that sale. You're the one that gave me the idea for that patent. You're the one that got that promotion. That's how we have to view it if you really see God as the owner. He's the one that distributes the blessing. The third thing we see is, is this idea of uh, what is the truth about money. The third one, God expects us. Here it is. Come on, everyone take a deep breath. God expects us to give back the first part of our income, and then we can trust God to meet our needs and beyond. And, and this, is the, this is the trust issue. It's an ownership issue, and then can I trust God? Can I trust God that when I give to him first, that there will be enough left to meet my needs? And I remember that struggle early on with Debbie and I in our marriage and our because and, 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 I know we're, we were at, at that moment. 
And that trust factor is difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm telling you, when you trust God, when you take a step and you say, God, I'm surrendering ownership, I'm going to put you first and I'm going to do this thing first, God's faithful. He's faithful. Look what he says in Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income. That's how we honor God. Honor means to prefer, to put someone first. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And then he says, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. You're going, Craig, I don't have any barns or wheat. You know what he's talking about. This is where they made their money. Agriculture. He goes, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your business. You're going to be taken care of. I'm going to meet your needs. If you'll do this first, if you give me the first part, I'm going to take care of all of your needs. That's what the Bible promises to do. So as we close this out, here's a couple quick thoughts, steps. We always talk about steps at Grace. What's my next step? Whether it's in relationally, hey, I need to forgive this person, or steps in my spiritual walk, I need to get baptized. Here are some steps that I would challenge you to take. Number one is acknowledge him as rightful owner of everything. That's the first, I'm going to acknowledge, God, you're right, it's all yours. But it's not just lip service. It's not just, yeah, God, it's all yours. It's actually acting like it's all his by becoming a manager and not an owner. It's about surrendering ownership to God. And for some of us, maybe that's the step you need to take. But there are even some in this room that go, you know what? I don't even know if God owns me. Because see, the Bible says that, that you were bought with a price and you're not your own. That really, God has a plan for your life. It's not about your will and what you think you need to do. It's about you surrendering your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Even in this place, right now, on all of our campuses, to say, you know what? I need to first give him my life. God, take control. Be my boss. Be my CEO. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. And that's the first step. Of, of surrender for many people maybe because when you do you receive his forgiveness his grace his mercy and he gives you purpose and a whole new direction in your life but for some of us we've already done that we've given our lives to Christ but we're like that baptism video we're still holding this one up no God not this one right come on you can laugh it's okay so we acknowledge him as rightful owner then we commit to being a God honoring manager of what you have. How do I do that, Craig? Man, the Bible has lots of teaching on it. Go to our Financial Peace University class. Encourage you to do that because it will teach you how to have a God-honoring lifestyle. How do I do this? How do I? We're upside down right now. Craig, I hear you, man. My heart, I want to commit. I want to give. But you know what? My management has caused me to, to be in a very difficult situation. You know what? God can work with you. God can work with you, but you got to be willing to surrender ownership. you got to be willing to say, God, I'm going to commit to the process. Amen? You know why, here, you know why we don't want to do it sometimes? It's kind of like when you're not eating really well, like I mentioned earlier. You don't want to get on the scale, right? I don't want to look at what I weigh. I know what I weigh. And the same thing when it comes to our finances. We just don't want to look at it. We just hope that somehow it's going to get better because I'm going to keep scratching those lotto tickets. And I'm going to hit it and everything's going to be fine. That's not how it works. Okay, you got to be willing to commit to the process. Third thing is there comes that time of real stepping out in faith. And that can even happen today. Trust God as you give back the first part that he will meet your needs. And you can do that today. You can do that right now.
in this room, you can say, you know, God, I'm going to give you the first part. For some, that's not a big deal. It's not about paycheck to paycheck. You've just never given God the first part. You live on it and you spend it and you love it and, and you have great, and there's nothing wrong with great things. What's wrong is you just haven't given God the first part. And maybe today is your time to say, God, here it goes. From, from here on out, I, I acknowledge you as right for owner. You get the first 10%. And for some, you would like to do that, but your finances are so upside down. It's crazy. You think 10%, I'm under. There's no way I could even do anything. Well, I would recommend two things. The class we're offering, we're paying half of your class, by the way. Church is covering half of that. But I would still say to you, take a step of faith. I've said this over the years for 25 years. You know what? You're right. Maybe you can't do the big 10, but start with 2%. Start somewhere and say, you know what, God? I'm going to take a baby step towards you. How many believe that God honors baby steps? I do. I have no doubt in my mind. And I've seen it. I've seen people come to me and go, I was at 2% last year, I'm at 4%, and now I'm at, and, and God keeps showing them how they can work their way to it, where they're honoring God. So start somewhere. Don't start hopeless. Start with some hope. Start with some faith. Start with saying, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment because nothing's going to change. Hear, hear me, nothing's going to change until you change. You'll be in the same place two years from now you are today if you don't begin to say, okay, I want to do this thing God's way. And that's my prayer, that you would do it God's way. Because you're going to be blessed in your own life. I, I really do uh, believe that. I've seen it in my life as we begin to honor and do it uh, God's way. So let's pray all over every campus just for a moment. I know this has been really tough for some of you. It's okay. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. First for those, Lord, that maybe need to surrender their heart and life to Jesus Christ. God, even though it's been about money for them, it's about giving up their life, about letting you take control of their life today. Lord, I pray that they would ask Jesus right now to save them, to forgive them, that you would give Jesus control of your life. Put him first in your life. God, I pray for those who've already made that decision, but God, this ownership issue, this trust issue, God, I pray that you would help them to take a step so they can experience the amazing faithfulness of a mighty God who can provide in ways we had no idea or dream of how we could do it. Help people to take steps, Lord, in this area of their life. They wouldn't let money be their master anymore. They would put you first. They would give you the first part. They would trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.